Hey everyone, this is Denika Root with Chats from the Bridge. And as you know, on Chats, what we do is we take a little time to pull away from life to discuss life, right? And specifically your lifestyle. And your lifestyle, as you know, is how you live life every day. And that can be in any area of your life. So it's not just generally, but in very specific areas. We know there's 8 to 12, depending on how you break those down. And how you walk that out every day is your lifestyle, not only in that particular area, but then you can say as a whole, this is my style of living. Well, today I've got a special guest with me, Ms. Mrs. Yes, Joanna Clark. And I'm so excited to have this interview with her and for her to be my guest because you will not believe some of the stories she's going to share with us, specifically around uh, environment. And the reason Joanna's going to share that with us is because she's overcome some challenges. So while she's been challenged in that area of environment, okay, the way she's been able to walk that out on a daily basis, her environmental lifestyle has brought her to some great success. She's overcome some challenges, and I can't wait for her to share some stories with you. So welcome to the show, Joanna. Thank you, Denny. It's, I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, this is so cool. Well, listen, before we dive in, why don't you take a minute and just Tell the audience about you. Who is Joanna Clark? So Joanna Clark is currently a 48-year-old woman who Yay. is married and has a teenager. Um, oh. And I have moved locations, um, seven different relocations in under 15 years. Oh, my God, it's like moving for two years. <laughs> pretty much moving every two years for my husband's job. So, and I'm also a businesswoman. So of eight of those 15 years, I was running my own business. And so wow. um, I've learned a lot about relocating, and I've learned a lot about building community, and I've learned a lot about how to create a home and a community um, wherever I am, and operate a business at the same time. Wow. That is really cool. So how old is your – you have a daughter, right? I do. I have a daughter, and she's a freshman in high school. So she's a freshman in high school. So she's been a child, a, a toddler, a child, a, a little person to this teenager all the time that you're moving. Correct. Wow. The moving, okay. the, moving be, the moving began really rapidly when she was about two and a half. Wow. Okay. Now, this is going to be really good because um, I just know there's so many people out there that kind of live in translation <laughs> or translation, uh -huh. live in, trans uh -huh. in transition. Many of them, like yourself, it's because, you know, the husband move or the husband's job has to move or something like that. Other people move because of life crisis. You know, they're, uh -huh. they're forced to uproot. And, um, gosh, I mean, just thinking about all the people going through the flooding right now, so many of those people yeah. are going to have to move. 
Uh-huh. So this is a very timely conversation with you. And so to kick things off, I'm just going to ask you, what has been the most exciting part of creating an environment for you to have a good lifestyle in? What have you enjoyed the most? Well, I, I really seek beauty wherever I am. Um, and so what's always been really important to me is no matter where I've lived, whether it's been in an apartment, a condo, a, a, a rental home, a home we've owned because we've done it all, or even temporary wow. housing, which we, we've done, lived in temporary housing for long stretches while we're in between residences, um, is that always, always, always having fresh flowers in my house in multiple locations as well as pots. Um, obviously, you can't plant a garden per se when you're moving that frequently because um, you can't take <laughs> all these gorgeous plants no. with you, but... But what I have amassed is, is, is an incredible amount of, you know, really beautiful ceramic pots. And the first thing I do when I get anywhere is, you know, go to the nearest um, nursery and, and, and start digging the soil and creating some beautiful pots that can be around me um, in that, during that time. So flowers make you feel at home? Flowers absolutely make me feel at home. Mm-hmm. And do you, you obviously enjoy, you know, making these pots because you're not like just running to get flowers and sticking them in a vase and putting water in it. You're growing and nurturing these flowers. Yeah, so I do two things. I, um, what I really love to do is, you know, weekly arrangements, which, of course, you know, go to your local Trader Joe's and get incredible things. But then when I'm growing in my <laughs> pots, I will bring cuttings in and add that. So it's definitely a creative process for me. It's like the one portable creative process that I've been able to bring with me um, from residence to residence. I love that. So creativity has been a really, uh-huh. really good thing for you. So what has been the most challenging part about the moves or your environment specifically, creating <clears throat> space that, that you love and you feel like you can raise the family and work in. Right, right. So, you know, I think that the, the most challenging part in today's society is w- when you move into, uh, um, again, a residence, whether it's an apartment, a condo, uh, you know, a rental home, um, the same issue applies as you want to get to know your neighbors. Um, but, you know, people are really, really busy. Um, and the old tradition of, here's our new neighbors, let's go introduce ourselves. Unfortunately, I've seen it diminish pretty dramatically in the last 15 years as I've kind of moved from place to place and noticed how less, it, less often it happens. So, oh, wow. So what I have um, done for myself is instead of me waiting for the door to be knocked on and someone to show up with brownies to welcome me, I actually, <laughs> go, to, I actually go knock on the doors and introduce myself. Um, and just try to build that bridge for them to know that I'm here and that I'm interested in getting to know them. Um, this is particularly uh, interesting when you're a homeowner versus a renter. Sometimes the assumption is if mm-hmm. you're renting a home that the, the neighbors might not be as interested in getting to know you because they don't know how long you're going to be there, which you know, has always been kind of disturbing to me as like that's a terrible assumption to make. Um, 
But so what I've done is when I'm renting, whether or renting or I'm owning the home, I always go and introduce myself so that 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 assumption isn't true for them, for me, in case I'm in a rental property. Do you take something? Do you take flowers? You usually take. Um, yeah, sometimes I might take a flower from the garden, or I'll I'll bring you know I'll um, if they're not home I'll have some stationery and I'll you know introduce myself you know write a little note and include my um, contact information and say that I'd love to meet them in person. That is so cool. What I, and what I love about that whole thought process is you know there was an old song I guess I don't even know who sang it but it was like every. Anywhere I leave my head is home or something like that. Uh-huh, and I just kind of uh-huh. see that for you, it's like it doesn't matter where I am. I'm going to make that my home, whether it's temporary uh-huh. or temporarily permanent. That's going to uh-huh. be my home. I'm going to get to know my neighbors. They're, I want them to get to know me, and I'm going to make my space welcoming so that I can feel like I'm at home. Right. And I think that kind of going back to that creative energy I do with pots, you know, really like – there's pots all over my front stoop, you know, all, like wherever I can put a pot yeah. that represents kind of the, my doorstep, right. Is that yeah. right. So then when the, when the neighbors see that, they see like, Oh wow. Like she's really living there. Like she's making it a home. Right. A, re, a wreath on a, you know, wreath on the door pots that, you know, blooming flowers coming out of the pots, uh, bird feeders in the yard, you know, things like that. I mean, which I enjoy for myself, but also just as represent that we're here and we're enjoying our environment. I love that because I can, I can see that happening, you know, because uh-huh. I do a lot, of, uh-huh. a lot of my walks and jogs in my neighborhood. And I can honestly say that the homes that have, I mean, even somebody that just moved in there, as soon as they get, pots of plants outside or they do something in their yard, I immediately feel like they feel like uh-huh. they're at home and they want uh-huh. people to know that, that they're here. So to do that uh-huh. in an apartment or, you know, like you said, temporary housing, I think is uh-huh. huge for, like you said, yourself, but also your neighbor. That is, uh-huh. <laughs> that's really smart. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That is, that is really, really cool. Oh my gosh. So was there ever a time when you felt like uh, maybe you were off track when you were, in, when you were transitioning, uh, maybe with your business or your friendships or even your family, where you felt like, okay, Joanna, you need to get a hold of this because if you don't, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know. Yeah, great question, Denny. So when you're moving, there's tremendous logistics. I mean, the logistics are mind-boggling. The, the to-do lists mm-hmm. and all the types of to-do lists that are so time-consuming, from finding all new doctors, getting all new dentists, um, figuring out what grocery store you like, um, figuring out the, com- the, co- the commutes to get to where you need to be the most efficiently because, of course, there's traffic patterns no matter where you live. Even the most idyllic little town, there's traffic patterns you need to know about. And so what happens is, is that your level of productivity of how much you think you can accomplish in a day is really greatly diminished. And that can be extremely overwhelming and extremely frustrating. And it's also hard when every single time you get in your car to go run an errand that you get lost. And, you know, in getting, and getting law and getting lost, that can be so stressful because it's not safe, right? You're like trying to look at your map at the same time, like trying not to, you know, 
you know, merge into somebody's lane. And so what I've just come to know is that I am going to get lost. And I package that into my, the first six months of living somewhere that if I think I can get to the appointment in 15 minutes, I might as well give myself 30. Um, and, Mm. and, and that if I'm getting lost in the process, it's not a problem. And usually I've changed my attitude about getting lost because in the past, the getting lost was just pure irritation and frustration and feeling, um, you know, feeling stupid and beating myself up. And now I've reframed that to say like, okay, if I get lost, I'm going to take a look around and I'm going to figure out what I see around here that I might need for the future. So, you know, uh, you know, discovering a new place. So I'm discovering something new while I'm getting lost. Like what, wow. one of the ways that I found my most favorite acupuncturist and my most favorite dog groomer was from getting lost. <laughs> you know, it turns out that those were like the two best, yeah, you know, the two best finds in town, right? Um, That's awesome. Uh, uh, one time when we were living in Houston, Texas, um, I was walking around Rice University with my dog, and Rice University is a huge um, campus. And I got really disoriented um, about where exactly I was in the middle of the campus and how that related to how I, you know, how I was going to get back home. And when you're on a campus, it's not like you can look at your Google map and they tell you what street to walk down. So I kind of was walking and I I ran into another woman who um, had a a dog. And so I went up to her and I said, hi, you know, how are you? And the dog got to say hello. And then I said, you know, can you help me? I'm trying to find my way back home. And she ended up being my best friend, and she ended up being my best friend in Houston. Are you serious? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I met her yeah. literally in the first three days of living there. Now, did you live anywhere close to each other? Uh, because you were, were kind of lost. And... Well, she she was walking on Rice University as well. Um, okay. She, okay. It was a very dog friendly place to walk your dog. So she lived about fifteen minutes away from me. Wow. So that was, you know, and we both happened to be walking our dog in the same place. That's just, yeah. Now, how long ago was that? Uh, meeting when I was living meeting in Houston? Her. Mm-hmm. Well. Meeting but, this lady. So I have known Lindsay for six years. Wow. And you're still friends? Oh, Yeah. She came to visit me last wow. year. She got stuck. She got. She was at my house when Harvey hit, so she stayed with me for a week because <laughs> she couldn't get home. Oh my gosh, that's crazy! Mm-hmm. And you obviously don't mm-hmm. see Houston anymore. So, so I mean, just moving again, you know. Mm-hmm. And you still have a friendship that you met walking your dog. You got lost. You asked her for directions. She ends up staying mm-hmm. at your house when she's in transition. And right. wow. Okay. <laughs> I never thought about that. That's so interesting. Yep. Yeah. She I love exactly. that. And she got and she got and she got a horrible cold when she was here. I think just the stress of wondering, you know, what was happening oh, in yeah. her hometown. And and uh, you know, so I kind of nurtured her back to health. And she's like, I, I was so thankful to have been in this, you know, safe place where I could, you know, <laughs> it was if I was going to be anywhere, it was the right no place kidding. to be during during that really scary time when the city was underwater. Yeah. I mean, I could totally see that. I mean, what a blessing that ended up being for her, but also for you to have that opportunity to to nurture a a friendship that was very genuine. And at the same time, she's going through distress, but 
feeling uh-huh. safe and feeling comfortable and knowing that uh-huh. she's not intruding. Because a lot of times, when you know, when we go through something like that, we feel like we're intruding all the time. Uh-huh. And to uh-huh. be able to have uh, someone that we can rely on and help us go through it makes it so uh-huh. much easier to remove uh-huh. that that type of emotion. That that wow. feeling that's, exactly. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a great that's a great great story. Well, if it's okay with you, I'd love to talk about bridges for a little bit, and. You know, I'm I'm the bridge lady. <laughs> I guess uh-huh. I'd rather be that, you know, than something else. But um, <laughs> bridges represent a lot of things to me. And I'd like you to kind of think about this, you know, what has been the bridge in your life when it comes to transition and, and changing your environment and making any place, really, your home. Um, a bridge can be a safe place. It could be safety for you to be safe from what's underneath it. You know, sometimes there's, there's tragedy underneath that bridge and you need that place to cross over. And speaking of which, it can be just simply a crossover for whatever's underneath it. And it can even just represent a shortcut, you know, a better path, a shorter path to get from one side to the other. A bridge can also represent um, a way or an ability for you to keep moving forward. Again, being a shortcut, just like, you know, if I go this way, if I do this thing, if I'm with this person, if I take this time, I'm going to keep moving forward. A bridge can also be a place to rest, kind of like your friend, you know, a place to rest, maybe reflect, pull away, pause in life. That could be a bridge. A bridge can be a place for you to stop And look around and just be grateful for things that you see, maybe things that you don't even see. But just taking the time to express um, gratitude in your life can be huge. And, of course, a bridge can be a way to stay on path and still do all of the things that I just mentioned. So really, to me, bridges represent a person. Like I like to consider myself as a bridge, as a coach. Uh, A bridge could be a place. You know, whether it's moving from one place to another, not that time of transition. It can be a thing, you know, person, place, or thing, the noun. But it can also be a period of time. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. if you think of bridges like that, being any and all of those things, what would you like to share and acknowledge as your bridge in the area of environment and or transition? Can you relate to that? Yes, absolutely. So uh, I believe that my, my bridge represents uh, moving forward from, from quite literally from one destination to another, but the bridge is long. The, the, bridge, the, bridge mm. has to be, the bridge has to be paved with resilience and resourcefulness and creativity, and patience, and openness, um, persistence. I kind of see the bridge um, from one destination to the other, from one living, you know, from one 
<clears throat> life to another, right? So my life yeah. in Houston yeah. was totally different from my life in San Diego, California, which looked totally different from my life in Seattle, Washington, which looked totally different from my life oh, in Washington, yeah. D.C. Um, so with each geography um, change, there's this bridge, and the bridge had to be paved quite literally with with those concepts I just mentioned. And in yeah. in the walking of the bridge, my experience has been that time is a, is an um, um, being realistic about the time it takes to make a full transition is really important. My experience has been is it takes a full two years. Um, and in the beginning, I found myself incredibly impatient with wanting to figure everything out, wanting to have my, quote, life, my rhythm, my friends, my community, my, I wanted to figure mm-hmm. it out. There was a tremendous amount of impatience. And with that impatience came dissatisfaction because I wasn't feeling what I had just left, right? So if I had been somewhere oh, for yeah. three years, I had, develop, I had developed all that, you know, everything I was, um, <clears throat> and, and I should say that for me, each location move wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, I'm ready to leave here. Let me go find something new. It's more like, oh, I'm finally loving this. Oh, now I have to go. Right? Oh, now I have so, to go. I was just thinking by the time you get settled, it's time to, to go again. It's time to go. So in the beginning, I had tremendous impatience, which left to, which, which left to dissatisfaction. And over kind of maturity and uh, reflection, I came to realize that this bridge from one location to the other is about a two-year transition. And in that two years, all those characteristics I mentioned are required of me to keep moving forward as I kind of make my way across that bridge until I finally get to the point where I'm looking around my, my home, my community, my daily flow, how I like to spend my time, and I can finally look around and go, wow, I really like living here now. I, I have it all, you know, I have it really figured out. I'm still discovering, but I, but I have a very good feeling about how I'm living my life daily and, 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 and um, you know, how I'm running my business on a daily basis, how I've gotten involved in the business community, uh, involved in my daughter's school, involved in my spiritual community, you know, all those ways it takes time to nurture relationships and, uh, you know, develop new rhythms on how you spend your time and who you spend your time with and how your family, you know, how your family vision is going to be formed up in that new location. Wow. That's how I view view the bridge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so powerful. And I was almost thinking, like you said, it's just one long bridge, and I could almost see, like you said, even though it takes those, those, I would say, characteristics, um, uh-huh. in yourself to get across that bridge. It's almost like each location could be uh, a different texture of bridge. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So but, some bridges, so, so some were really flat and straight. Some were, you know, yeah. had a huge incline. <laughs> some had a huge incline. Uh, you know, about halfway through, I could kind of, you know, it was a little bit easier to step, in, step down to the other side. Um, but absolutely, and I think every bridge had a different viewpoint. Sometimes I was yeah. walking over water. Sometimes I was going over a mountainside. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. I tell you, you know, you, you and I have a, a, a professional relationship, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but I would love 
at some point, and, you know, maybe we could do another show on this, but I would love at some point for you to, uh, here's my challenge to you, Joanna, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> kind uh-huh. of uh, maybe document what, that, what each place was and what the bridge looked like, what your view from the bridge looked like at each one of those places. You know, like you said, safety, or like I said, safety, but uh-huh. even you said safety, uh, place uh-huh. to rest, reflect, um, gratefulness, staying on path, all of that. I think it would be so, so cool because, again, the texture of the surface of each uh-huh. segment of that bridge is, is different, but it's taken the same you, all the grit and uh-huh. gut that you've you know, uh-huh. been able to achieve in the process to keep you going forward. And, wow, what a great story that you could build um, just reflecting on that journey itself. I love it. And, and I was going to say, and how has it made a difference in your lifestyle? Well, you already answered that. I mean, you've really become this person of resilience that uh-huh. um, is a perfect, not only perfect example for other people in transition, but also um, maintaining your relationships and your friendships uh-huh. is such strong character for appreciating uh-huh other uh-huh. people in your life. And I, I love that uh-huh. about you. That's just, that is, yeah. That's a yeah, in fact, the, the, the big joke is fall is always a busy time for me because I have 350 people on my Christmas card list. <laughs> and, start and, and I kind of have to start now because I <laughs> often will write an individual note um, because that's a great way for me to maintain contacts and it's just so much fun because there's people I knew from 19 years ago that Mm -hmm. I'm still in contact with and sometimes the Christmas card was the one way that happened right because people change their cell phone they change their email Um, but even if they change their address usually can be forwarded so uh, it's been a wonderful way for me to you know maintain relationships and especially when I would meet my you know families from a long time ago and now they have children in you know high school and college like it's just amazing to see how the time has gone by wow. and how long you've known that, them that is so cool well, i tell you what um and i'm sure people listening will agree with this we need to have you back on the show because i've got a retreat coming up in november the first weekend in november and it's for women and it's all about relationships and I would love to have you back on the show before, if at all possible, before I have that retreat. And if it's okay with you, I would love to make sure that every woman that shows up for that retreat gets to listen on that podcast, you know, to listen to that uh-huh. interview. Because I think you've got some really great tips on relationships and, uh-huh. and transition and things like that. And, and I don't know what the women will have gone through that come to the retreat, but I, I think uh-huh. between the two of us, we could, we could cover it. <laughs> great. That sounds wonderful. I'd love to come back. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Well, before we go, it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes you just go, I bet you can't guess what this person does. Um, you're one of those people. And before we go, and, and, and I know you're short on time, I would love for you to share with the audience what you do as a profession. Um, and I'm saying what you do, you know how people say, what do you do? And they go, I'm, oh, I'm a personal trainer. No, that's what you are. 
What do you do? Uh, and you have like the most uh-huh. amazing business that you've been able to maintain with all of your moves. Do you mind sharing that? And then uh, feel free to share your website, let people know where they can find okay, you. Okay, great. So I guess the best way to describe what I do is I'm sure either yourself or some of your friends have had a situation where their child is not sleeping at night and the child takes a long time to go to sleep at bedtime and might wake up multiple, multiple times a night and the parents are frazzled and sleep deprived and overwhelmed. They might even be arguing with each other about what they're going to do to solve, solve this terrible dilemma that their child isn't sleeping because when the child's not sleeping, neither are the parents. And oftentimes that really takes a big toll on the whole family system. So ultimately, so ultimately what I do is I help those sleep deprived, frazzled parents get to where they want to be, which is a well-rested family. Uh, I'm a pediatric sleep consultant and I work with um, families that have children newborn all the way through six years of age. And, And those challenging sleep behaviors that parents sometimes don't know how to manage and resolve uh, I work with them one-on-one to create a customized sleep plan and walk them and hold their hand through the entire process um, in a very guilt-free, gentle way to minimize tears and frustrations so they feel really good about the process and ultimately their child learns the skills of sleep and has incredible sleeping, you know, 12 hours a night and really predictable wow. naps. Um, and then the family system is restored um, and the parents get to sleep again, and they love each other, and they love parenting um, again oh um, after that family system is restored. So my website yeah. is uh, Blissful Baby Sleep Coaching. Blissfulbabysleepcoaching.com. Correct. Right? That's awesome. Yeah. Now, see, that's not, that just told people what you do in a nutshell through the process without saying, oh, I'm a baby sleep coach or whatever. Uh And Uh just hearing you say that, I'm thinking about, oh, my gosh, like I've got three adult children and two of them were preemies. And so there was a lot of sleep deprivation. But, Uh you know, babies in general, to have trouble sleeping, a lot of people think, well, you know, it's normal or it'll pass or they'll get over it Uh or, Uh you know, sometimes Uh it gets, unfortunately, abusive you know, uh-huh. for, uh-huh. for the child and even for the parents with each other, the comments to uh-huh. each other because they're so sleep deprived. And then if there's another uh-huh. child in the house, that new baby is getting all the attention and disrupting. Uh-huh. So I love how you work with the family so that they can all get rest and that yeah. baby is going to be a much healthier baby because they got rest early in their infancy um, and the parents are going to be so much. Yes, yes. And, you know, well and, and, and what's so important is, is that something, sometimes when families hear the word, you know, sleep coaching, there's sometimes a, a really kind of negative response to that concept. But what I do is all science-based and evidence-based, and it's actually gentle sleep coaching. So um, the parent mm-hmm. is in the room with the child offering um, verbal assurances and physical assurances so you can pick up, you can pat, um, really laying down the foundation for the child to learn the skills of sleep, which are to self-regulate, self-settle, and self-soothe to sleep without leaving them alone and without putting them in a situation where you're letting your child cry it out. So I do not believe in cry it out. 
and the um, oh, unique signature <clears throat> the unique signature process I have um, allows for the parent to really provide that emotional support to the child while they're le- learning the new skills of sleep. Um, and I've been doing this for eight years. I've helped over 600 individual families to success, oh which, which is affecting two, over 2,000 individuals are now sleeping no better, having gone through wow. this guilt-free, gentle sleep coaching. So it's really powerful, and it's really amazing because it really brings back the family system um, and uh, parents feel great about the process because they're getting the sleep they need, but it's also guilt-free and gentle and very focused on attachment to their child. Well, and the other thing that, uh, that I'm sure people realize, whether they realize it initially or, or not, is that, you know, laying, laying the cause of sleep deprivation aside and just saying about how dangerous it is to to uh-huh. function, whether it's drive, work, whatever, operate uh-huh. machinery, whatever, uh, when you're uh-huh. sleep deprived. And then the health uh-huh. issues that come up, especially for the women who are trying to get rid of their uh-huh. baby weight and the stress uh-huh. hormones and all of that. So you really, I love what you do, uh-huh. Joanna, because you're really doing a lot for the family as a uh-huh. whole. Give me your uh-huh. website one more time. It's blissfulbabysleepcoaching.com. BlissfulBabySleepCoaching.com, and this is Joanna Clark, and this was fun, Joanna. Thanks so much for taking time to to come in and uh, or should come in like this is a studio. Listen to me. (laughs) 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 Take the time, yes, 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 to well come into our homes. We'll say it that way. Our cars, whatever. However, people are listening. to us today and sharing your story and it's amazing and I, I uh, yeah I would still like to have you come back and talk about relationships some if that's okay I would love to Denny thank you so much for having me on and for those of you out there my number one tip is always buy yourself buy yourself fresh flowers and oh, I love it. My, <laughs> either in a pot or, or, or uh, you know, just, again, Trader Joe's, any grocery store you go to, um, it really adds so much beauty into your home. And my other obvious tip would be, you know, get seven, eight hours of sleep per night um, because sleep is sleep matters tremendously. And when you sleep, you have a higher quality of life in all areas of your life. Absolutely. And guess what? You get a higher quality of life with flowers. All right. That's right. (laughs) Okay, everybody. This was amazing. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, This is Denny Carruth with Chats from the Bridge. Until the next steps.